Undressing casual on a day like this, we can uh, relax a little bit more and concentrate on the things that are important. Now we come to the uh, main message portion of our service today. So I hope you brought your Bible with you. We're going to open it up to the epistle, general epistle of 1 John. Spend most of our time in that book today. Let's pray. Father, as we open our Bibles today, we pray for understanding. Help us to, to fully grasp the truths that you teach, that John taught in his epistle here, and how they apply to us. And it's a message today that uh, gives us hope in the face of sin. So thank you, Lord, and we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to spend a little time in the epistle of 1 John. And, uh, you know, they call this group of epistles toward the back of our Bible, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd and 3rd John, they call them the general epistles. And the reason for that is they're not written toward specific audiences or people. You know, a lot of Paul's epistles were written to a particular church like Corinth or Ephesus or... Uh, a particular person, like Titus or Timothy. These uh, general epistles aren't addressed to any particular person or church. They're general. Uh, and in fact, instead of titling them with the group or person that they're addressed to, uh, these books are entitled by who wrote them. So it was James who wrote James, it was Peter who wrote First and Second Peter, and it was John the Apostle John, who wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So, as we look here at 1st John, chapter 5 and verse 13, I want to start off by noticing who this particular epistle is written to. And as you would imagine, it's written to Christians, to believers. He says in 1st John 5, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That's us. We're Christians. We believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that's encouraging. He says, you have eternal life because you believe in the name of the Son of God. So that's good to know. That's a good starting point. So he's writing the Christians here. And the, the question that uh, we want to ask and answer in this sermon is, do Christians sin. Do Christians sin? You might say, Pastor John, you're being Captain Obvious today, aren't you? Because we all know that we sin, unfortunately, on a regular basis. And notice that John says exactly that. We'll turn to 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. 1 John 1, verses 8 through 10. Let's see what he says here. If we claim, don't forget he's speaking to Christians, converted Christians, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. However, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him, that is God, out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. So you might say, well, that's true, Pastor John. We, we do sin. 
We do stumble from time to time, and we do the wrong things, but we're reminded here that we need to confess our sins on a regular basis because God is faithful and just to forgive those sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. Notice also chapter 2, verse 1, he says again, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So yeah, we're all, even though we're Christians, even though we've been baptized and have the Holy Spirit in us, we're still nagged by sin from time to time, aren't we? I know I am. But we're reminded here that, you know, Jesus' role as Savior wasn't just a one-time thing in our lives back on the day that we were baptized. Certainly, we came to hear the gospel, we believed, we asked Jesus to be our Savior, we were duly baptized to follow the instruction in the Bible as to what we should do, and that baptism was a wonderful ceremony because it symbolized the death of our old person, and when we came up out of that water, uh, the, the birth of a brand new person, a spirit-led person. So... Yeah, we needed Jesus at the time of our baptism, but you know what? Our need for Him as our Savior goes on daily because we still have our struggles. But now let's turn to chapter 3 because there's a couple of verses here that seem to, on the surface, confuse the issue a little bit. But we'll explain exactly what John is saying here and why he says it. 1 John 3, verse 6. Notice what he says here. So knowing what we know about sin, and yes, even the existence of sin in our lives from time to time, John says this, 1 John 3, verse 16, No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or known Him. Well, wait a minute now. Is that a contradictory verse? Does this verse say that believers do not sin? Because we just saw earlier in the book and elsewhere in the same book that he talks about our sin and our need to confess our sin. Notice also chapter 5, verse 18, we read this. 1 John 5 and verse 18, he says, We know that anyone born of God, and we have all been born of God through a new birth, anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God, Jesus, keeps him safe. And the evil one, Satan, cannot harm him. Now, wait a minute. Now, we read some verses that seem to say Christians sin. And here are two verses, 1 John 3, 6 and 1 John 5, 18, that seem to imply that Christians do not sin. So I asked the question, do these verses say that believers do not sin? Does this mean that Christians have somehow attained perfection in this life and we don't sin anymore? And then if you do sin, does that mean you're not really saved? You know, it puts doubt in some people's minds because if you tell me that Christians don't sin and then I sin, does that mean I'm not really a Christian or that I'm not saved? Well, we know that the Bible does not contradict itself. So let's understand something about what John is saying here, and specifically the Greek language. 
Because the Bible doesn't contradict himself. If he says we do sin, but then he says elsewhere that perhaps we don't sin, we have to get back to the language that's being spoken here. You know, just as verbs in the English language have tenses, and what do I mean by tense? Well, past, present, future, then you got uh, the past perfect, the present perfect, the uh, future perfect. In all, each verb that we speak in the English language has 12 tenses, 12. And it's very similar in the Greek language. Verbs in the Greek language have tenses. So if we look here at 1 John 3, verse 6, where he says, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. The verb sin in these verses is in what is called the present continuous tense. The present continuous tense. In this case, sin implies living in sin or sinning as a natural way of life. And that's the way we used to sin before we became Christians. We were stuck in our sins. We didn't really care if we were sinning or not because that was our lifestyle. We lived in sin. Okay, That was our situation before becoming a Christian. But since we became a Christian, things change in our lives. And what John is saying here is that a Christian and someone born of God no longer sins as a way of life is no longer stuck in sin and doesn't care. And in fact, they're known back, uh, you know, the, the unsaved are known for their sins. Well, we've come out of that by the grace of God. So a Christian lives righteously, but may sometimes succumb to temptation. But then they repent. You see, that's the, the, the way, our, way our lifestyle is now. We no longer look at sin or live in sin the way we used to before we became Christians. You know, you may have been an addict and you didn't care. That was your lifestyle. In fact, that's how people knew you. You may have been a thief. You may have been an adulterer. You may have been a drunkard. That was your lifestyle and you didn't care what anybody thought. That's the way you lived. Well, things change when we become Christians because God begins to change us. No longer are we just living a carnal life. We're starting to be led by the Holy Spirit now. So things start to happen in our lives and things start to change for the better. If you are saved, you will sin from time to time, but you will not continue practicing sin as a way of life. That's what John is saying in this passage here. Your life is no longer characterized by sin, but by doing what is right. There will be a difference between the old life you used to live without Christ and the new life that you're living in Christ. Your behavior patterns begin to change. Believers start to see a decreasing pattern of sin in their lives. Will you still sin? Uh, Yeah, you will occasionally but nowhere near the way you used to before you were called to be a Christian. This is what John is trying to say in this passage. He's not saying that Christians no longer sin. 
what he's saying is Christians no longer lead the same lifestyle that they used to lead before being called by God. Notice in 1 John 3, verse 3. 1 John 3, verse 3, he says this, Everyone who has this hope, everybody who's a Christian, everybody who's a believer, everyone who has this hope in Him, in, in Christ, purifies himself just as He, Jesus Christ, is pure. So when we become Christians, God starts a process in our life. We welcome Jesus into our lives. Of course, the Holy Spirit makes His dwelling in us and changes start to take place. That's how you tell that you're really a Christian. Do you stop sinning altogether? No, but you sure sin less often than you used to. This process is called sanctification. We know that as Christians, there are three steps we go through in life. The first one is justification. When we're baptized, our sins are forgiven. Okay, That's called justification by the blood of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the cross. So initially, justification takes place, and then sanctification takes place. And that's what we're all involved in right now in our Christian lives. We're being sanctified. We're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. It's a slow day by day, week by week, month by month process where we're sinning less and we're living righteously more. And you know what? We're all on our own journey. And we don't sit around and and, and judge one another. What we do is encourage one another. And sometimes, you know, we take three steps forward And then we might take one step backwards. But then we take two more steps forward in our Christian life, and some days are really bad. We may take a couple of steps backward. But we're all on a forward journey, you see. And we're all traveling at at our own pace by the grace of God and by the strength of God. So as we look at each other and we see each other struggling, it's not our, our job to judge one another. But it is our job to encourage one another because we're all on the same journey. Hopefully we're all moving forward. Some days we take quick steps forward. Some days not so quick. Some days we hardly make any progress. But you know what? We've all got our own individual things that we're struggling with. So one of the things that we're to do, we have a responsibility to do, is to always encourage Always encourage. And you know what? I, I can use the example of Pastor Dave and the comments that you know, he made about Paul Laska. You know, Paul's been struggling with certain issues, as we all do. And he you know, took a, a break from church because he felt he needed it. That's fine. But now he, he has an intention to come back, which is wonderful. And, and our job is to encourage one another all the time. So... All of us who have hope in Christ were to purify ourselves. So you see, we have a a part to play in it too. God is there providing the sanctification. He's there providing the transformation. But we've got to walk hand in hand and and side by side with Him as He guides us through this process of change. We can't just, you know, fold our arms and dig our heels in so that God's going to drag us along to become righteous. No, we've got to have a will and we've got to have a desire to want to change as He changes us. So as the the Holy Spirit transforms us, we participate. 
Because you know what? We no longer want to be known as a thief like we used to before we were called. We no longer want to be known as an adulterer. We no longer want to be known as a drunkard or an addict or any of those things. Our identity now is in Jesus Christ. So God wants us to live in the reality of who we are in Christ and not long to go back to those old lifestyles or the old sins. This is what John is trying to explain here. As we are being sanctified, we will walk more and more in obedience to the Word of God. It's not that we no longer sin. We still struggle with sin. And when we do, we go right to Jesus and ask for forgiveness again. Our repentance is is not a one-time thing at the time we're baptized. Because the longer we're Christians, the more mindful we are of our sins. You know, it used to be before we became a Christian, we would sin and never give it a second thought. Hey, that's me. That's, That's my way of life. What do I have to repent of? You know, but once we become Christians and God starts dwelling in us, whenever we do mess up, boy, you're aware of it. I don't know how many times, you know, since my wife ran out to the store, she's not here right now, I can use the example of of me in my marriage, in our marriage, saying something really stupid or hurtful to my wife. And, you know, in my anger, I go storming off back into my office, and I'm sitting there thinking, you idiot. Why did you say that? Why did you hurt her in that way? Why don't you go over there and apologize quickly and repent to God for what you just did or what you just said? And you know what? It weighs on your heart. And you think, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian now, and I, uh, <laughs> I can't be doing those things anymore. You know, I used to, but not anymore. Because there's a new standard that I'm living up to, and, and the Holy Spirit is nudging me, you know, go in there and apologize. Go in there and, and repent for what you just did or said. That's the change that is taking place in our lives. God is holding us up now to a higher standard, and he wants us to participate in this transformation that uh, we're involved in. So do we still sin? Yeah, I know I do. I know it's a lot less often than it used to be, but it's still there and we still struggle with it. Now, why is, what is the reason why we still sin? We've come under the blood of Jesus Christ. We know we're forgiven. And that's, that's a load off of our shoulders. But why is it that we still struggle? Why, when we were baptized, didn't God not only forgive our sins, but remove from us any desire to ever sin? Well, that desire is being removed little by little. But the reason we still occasionally sin is because we are still dealing with two natures inside of us. You know, before we heard the gospel and before we were called to salvation, all we had in us was the carnal human nature, which is a sinful nature. Some call it a fallen nature. Some say that it started with Adam and Eve, and indeed it did. Now, some religions teach that there's something like an original sin, and because of Adam, we're all born with original sin. I don't think that that's accurate. 
I think we all bring sin upon ourselves because we all still have the, the, the same nature, human nature that Adam and Eve had. Uh, we don't carry Adam and Eve's sin. We carry our own sins. And believe me, we've all got plenty of them over the years and in our lives that we've committed. So the reason we still occasionally sin is because we're still dealing with two natures. We have sinful human nature still in us, but we've also got God's nature in us as Christians. And the two war against each other. Now, as the years go by and as we've been a Christian longer, God's nature has the upper hand. But human nature is still wandering around inside of us, in our minds and in our hearts. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. I'd like to remind us all of how Paul struggled with these things. Paul, the Apostle Paul, even after he was an apostle for a long time, he still struggled with sin in his life. And, and thankfully, he you know, had the guts to confess this in his epistles. He was very open about it. And it's very encouraging to us because we get depressed and discouraged about our sins. And we think, man, we're such a loser. We should be perfect by this time and be totally sinless. Well, Paul struggled with sin even after he had been an apostle for a long time. And notice what he says here in Romans 7, beginning in verse 14. He says, we know that the law, God's law, is spiritual. But I, Paul says, am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, good things, I do not do. But what I hate, sin, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, sin, I agree that the law is good, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. So you see, we all have the capacity to sin. There's human nature still dwelling in us, which means there's lust, there's envy, there can be covetousness in us. And if we're not paying attention and if we let ourselves slip, we can find ourselves sinning very easily. Verse 18. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I not, cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. <laughs> so Paul had frustrations about his life, just as we do. And we can take heart in that. Let's read on, verse 20. Now if I do what I do not want to do, sin it is no longer what it is no longer i who do it but it is sin living in me that does it so i find this law at work when i want to do good evil is right there with me for in my inner being i delight in god's law but i see another law at work in my members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? 
Well, he gives the answer right here, verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he got frustrated. He got depressed and discouraged because of what he called a war going on inside of him. And that same war, God's spirit against carnal human nature, which is still in us, these two natures fighting against each other. That happens in every Christian. Not just you, not just me. He says, so then I am myself in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So be encouraged. You're not the only one fighting a battle. You're not the only one who sins occasionally. You no longer do it as a way of life. You no longer do it to the extent you used to do it before being a Christian. But the battle is still there. And you know what? That battle is going to go on until the very end. The battle never ceases. You become more victorious as time goes by. You know, the longer you're a Christian, the longer you're in God's Word, the longer you're here worshiping Him on a regular basis, you find sin not so appealing anymore. Yeah, the temptation can still be there, but you enjoy more being in God's presence. You enjoy more being in the midst of God's people. Because, you know, in this room right here, with all of God's people assembled, there's no sin going on. You, know, you, you can say, well, I don't want to go to church today. I'm going to hang out maybe over at the VFW with the guys. And, you know, what goes on sometimes at the VFW. I mean, the VFW is fine. But, uh, you know, sometimes the guys get into telling stories and, you know, there might be lies and exaggeration going on and other stuff going on. And, but I just don't want to point out the VFW. It could be any kind of group that you get together with of maybe people who are not super spiritual and, and God-centered. But the longer you come to a place like this and worship God, there's no sin going on here. I don't know what's going on in everybody's mind, but, you know, outwardly, openly, there's no sin going on here. And it's good to hang out at places like this. Amen. And it's not so good to hang out at places where maybe sin's going on. You see, we're participating in the transformation that God is uh, performing in our lives. Let's read on a little bit more. Chapter 8 of Romans. This is one of the most encouraging scriptures in all the Bible. So, okay, we sin occasionally. We do slip up and fail, but notice what he says here. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you know what? When you do slip up and sin, it's not held against you. It's not credited against you because of the blood of Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. Our sins are forgiven past, present, and future. So yeah, we still struggle with sin. We still can get discouraged and depressed because of it. Because it hangs around and it won't leave totally. But when we do sin, there's no condemnation. Because of Jesus' sacrifice for us, because of God's grace and mercy. He says in verse 2, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, the old covenant he's talking about, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin 
in sinful man, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. So he talks about living by the sinful nature versus living by the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that, sinful, that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. That's the way we used to be before we became Christians. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, verse 9, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, yeah, that sinful nature might still be lurking around from time to time. And if we're not on guard, it may tempt us to sin. He says, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Amen. How encouraging that is. Amen. Just a few more verses. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons, and I might add, daughters of God. Do Christians sin? Yes, they do. But you know what? Good news is, they're totally forgiven. And uh, they're not held accountable for those sins. Pastor John, are you saying that now we're free to go out and sin as much as we want? As Paul says elsewhere, God forbid. We're being transformed. We're being sanctified. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the, the pain and the, the discomfort and the agony that he went through on our behalf. We live by grace, but it's not free grace. Grace is not free. A price was paid for that grace to be made available to us. And we never take that lightly. We take that very seriously. So, do Christians sin? Yes, they do. They don't sin to the extent that they used to before being called and before being baptized and before becoming Christians. That old lifestyle is gone as far as we're concerned. We never want to fall back into that. But when we do slip up, when we do the wrong thing, we come to God and we repent again. We say, Father, I just want to point out to you what I just did. I know it was wrong. I know that I'm forgiven. I want to tell you that I'm sorry. And I want to thank you for your grace. And I can walk on in confidence now, knowing that I'm forgiven, and I can continue to move forward. Amen. That's the attitude that we should have about our sins. But you know what? There will come a time, it hasn't happened yet, but there will come a time when we will sin no more. Here in 1 John 3, verse 2. I just want to look at this one more verse. Because this is very encouraging. Will Christians ever come to the time when they'll no longer sin? It hasn't happened yet, but yeah, it is coming. 
John says this in 1 John 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, when Jesus returns, or if we die and meet Him shortly thereafter, when He appears, we shall be like Him, sinless, and also glorified at His second coming. We shall be like Him. We shall see Him as He is. So the time is coming, and imagine this, when we will never sin again. When we will be totally like Jesus Christ. At the time of His second coming, we will be glorified in the resurrection. So we will shine brightly just as He does. We'll see Him as He is, and we will be like Him. And at that time, not now, not yet, but at that time, totally sinless. Totally sinless. That sin that weighs us down, that sin that has been a burden around our neck for so many years and practically all of our lives that we still might struggle with from time to time will be totally removed. And by being like Him, having fully His nature, we will not be able to sin. We'll have no desire to sin and as God's nature is, it's impossible for Him to sin. And when that time comes, we will see Him as He is and we will be like Him. And what a time of rejoicing that will be. Every burden, every weight that we have ever carried in our life because of sin will be finally and totally removed once and for all. So as we live for eternity with God, we're never going to be bothered by sin. We're never going to be bothered by temptation. Satan will be put away, so his influence will be gone, that temptation will be removed, and our carnal human nature will be totally changed. And we will have fully God's nature and God's nature alone in us. Boy, that's a time to look forward to. Until that time comes, our struggle, our war continues. But we have confidence that we have victory in Jesus Christ. So let's participate in the changes God is making in our lives. Through prayer, through being around God on a regular basis, by being around God's people, let's encourage one another. And uh, we're all on the same journey, and we're all going to arrive at the same destination. And praise be to God for that. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for making it clear to us about sin. Sin is not something we like to talk about because we're embarrassed by it. We feel very awkward. We know that that's something we shouldn't be doing in our lives. But we can be honest with you, Father. You know we all sin from time to time. Not as much as we used to because we've already made great progress by your grace. But when we do sin, Father, we know we can come to you openly and just repent again and, and apologize but then be forgiven and keep moving forward. And we're all on this forward journey to be uh, transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ and to be with you finally and eventually for all eternity and never have to be troubled by sin again. We all long for that time, and we look forward to that time, Lord, and help us to encourage one another in the meantime. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, your grace. We'll worship you for all eternity because of it. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.